Welcome to the Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. Matt Cato, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church and Campus Ministry, but currently on sabbatical. And I'm Zach Paris. I am the co-host of a little show called Baby Billy's Bible Bonkers. Oh my gosh. Zach, I'm still, I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen anything from the season yet. I know. I just, I've been gone all summer, way behind on all the shows, and I just I haven't tackled it yet. I see the song is still going. It's still going, huh? <laughs> Dang. Uh, Matt, you think that the Righteous Gym songs can't, what else are they going to do? You know, like every season is so perfect. And I think this was season three, and it was as good. As good as all. Right? Like, <laughs> I don't know how to rate, like, I'm not going to rank them. They're just pieces of art, you know, like they don't, yeah. they don't need to be ranked, but there is a thing called baby Billy's Bible bonkers and it's everything you want it to be. There is a monster truck for Jesus called the redeemer. Um, <laughs> the redeemer. <laughs> it plays a significant role in the season. Somehow <laughs> uh, they have literally the world's strongest man, like the, so the stars shine, Matt. There are so many excellent performances. Longtime listeners. No, just, no spoilers. I'm not going to spoil, right? But but longtime listeners have heard us say, you know, like um, BJ is perfect. Like the performance that gets put in there. Perfect. Edie Patterson uh, is Judy. Amazing. Adam Devine is really good. Uh, Amber is fantastic. Walter Goggins, you know, you know. This is a Walter Goggins podcast. Like he's incredible. Um, everybody's incredible. But then they bring along people, Matt, and they just—it's amazing. So there's a cousin. There are two cousins who play an important part in this year, in the season this year, in the season this year, in the season this season. I think is what we're going to go with. And one of them is like a big dummy. Is like the idea, right? And he's literally like a strong man, like a like a world's strongest man guy. And there's a cult. Uh, or not really a cult. It's more of like a militia, militia group, right? Which again, just pitch perfect. Uh, and uh, Sturgill Simpson is one of the characters, leading characters in the militia group. And of course they sing eventually, but like, perfect. It's great. Incredible. Well, I got to get caught up. Listeners, uh, you get caught up too if you haven't seen it already. It's definitely podcast related. It's so on my list. I just have a whole, I got a whole list. Zach. Got, I'm way behind. I'm way behind. I've been trying. Back, I think is a thing we should say <laughs> Matt, we haven't, I don't know if the listeners, cause we do a pretty good job of it. Uh, we last recorded in June. Yeah. I mean, July technically, but that was, was a one-off, one-off, uh, special no. app at wild goose. But other than that, yeah. we did, we recorded in advance in June. Or the we have summer. done a weekly podcast for five, six, however many years now. I think it's the longest break we've taken from our recording, right? Like it's, uh, well, it's an unusual time in our lives. So (laughs) you you should be grateful listeners that we even have a podcast at all at this point. (laughs) Be grateful. That's what I've always felt. The message I want to send our listeners. Be grateful. Tongue in cheek. Tongue in cheek. Uh, yeah, no, we are, we are back. But there's so much Uh, to cover since we last talked both in the pop culture world, our personal lives, uh, we played a live show at a festival. I mean, where do you want to go, Matt? Yeah. Um, 
yeah, pop culture. Uh, yeah, still getting, still getting caught up. Uh, I mean, I, this is how behind I am in pop culture. It really grieved me, Zach, gr- that I couldn't go see Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny on oh, opening I... weekend in my Indiana Jones hat. You know, I would have worn it to the theater. Where were you? Uh, I was somewhere in uh, West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> they don't uh, have Indiana Jones in West Virginia. I mean, they did, but breaking away, you know, it's like yeah. it's a whole negotiation to break away from the family when you're on a family road trip. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's it's a whole thing. Uh, but yeah, stories galore. Have you seen uh, that yet? I have not. I'm okay. hoping to go. We're on the same page. Oh my gosh, I know. Uh, I think it's still in some theaters though. I saw it at one and down in Torrance. Uh, so maybe I'll go down there on my own. We did go to the movies earlier this week. We went to see the Barbie movie. Oh, how was it? Was, was, was it really good? Pretty fantastic. Yeah, it was like soundtrack's pretty had solid. No, there's no way it should have been that good, but it was. Uh, I mean, just just because it's based on a toy, right? You don't expect yeah a movie based on a toy to be uh, actually brilliant, and the way they threaded the needle of making a movie see the about Teenage a toy. Ninja Turtle movie <laughs> that also looks good. Did you see it? I have not, but I've heard that one's good. But it's also you know, on look, my list. Looking back, none of them have been good so far. <laughs> But I remember, I mean, the Ninja Turtle movies, none of them have been good. I was good. hyped I am, for it, but yeah, it wasn't good. I mean, I mean, two of them loom large in my childhood, I would say. Mm-hmm. The first, those the first, first two live action, I don't know if they're good because I haven't seen them since I was, I don't I've know, seven years old. podcast about them and we watch them and they're definitely not good, but. They just, they loom large in my childhood is all. I'm just going to, maybe I'll just leave them there as like happy memories uh, from my childhood. It's a, it's a good I point. I remember the original and I remember Secret of the Ooze with Bebop and Rocksteady. Probably a terrible movie, but I, as a child, uh, I was satisfied. <laughs> but this movie looks good. It does uh, seems to be leaning into them as teenagers. Anyway, uh, yeah. So I'm. I'm. The point of all that was that I'm behind on, on pop culture. Uh, yeah. You wanted initial sabbatical thoughts? I see. Yeah. What do you do if you if you're not consuming pop culture? Yeah, uh, traveling all over the place at breakneck speed. The number of people that said, oh, wow, I hope you have a really relaxing sabbatical. <laughs> and then I proceeded to uh, just breakneck pace, travel to a different place uh, almost every day. Mm, yeah, so um, different pace now. I do still have uh, several more weeks to slow down, but uh, I've been on the road a lot. What are the takeaways? Uh, I mean, so many, and we'll still be processing. But uh, number one, it's a big world out there. <laughs> all right it's a big big world zach i know that you have done a lot of uh international travel you know a lot of travel to europe uh taking taking uh groups of students and uh traveling yourself i have not done that i went one time 20 years ago for a youtube pilgrimage otherwise never been to the mainland of europe uh never done any of that stuff so you know our first day in berlin just uh incredible i was like this is this is amazing this is so cool uh and so just for me i think um just a real, a real eye opener and a real uh, table setter to say, "Hey, uh, maybe I should do this more." <laughs> maybe every summer I can't do a, a seven week uh, crazy road trip, but to say, um, "Hey, uh, as I look at midlife and whatever comes next, maybe maybe I need to travel some more because it's there's a lot of cool stuff out there." Um, so maybe that's a trite thing to say, but I really. That's how I experienced it. However, if you, dear listener, are thinking about traveling to Europe, please be aware I did a ton of research in advance, uh, including a lot of research about what to wear and what not to wear. Uh, And after going to Europe, my takeaway is wear whatever you want. Nobody cares. (laughs) Nobody knew you were American the entire time, right? Nobody knew, unless, uh, like you said, when I opened my mouth, 
so you talk to that's, that's the other that's the other takeaway if you go to a non-english speaking country maybe learn a few phrases might be uh might be useful <laughs> um a lot of folks do speak english because other countries learn more languages than we do <laughs> but still i could see the look on people's faces when i clearly knew absolutely nothing and they kind of have this look in their eyes and you'd be you'd feel a sense of shame and uh yeah that was that happened a lot uh, shame can be useful <laughs> can be useful it's going to motivate me to work on my german uh yeah. and so what a relief when we went to the uk and people spoke english again uh sometimes a heavily accented english my taxi driver in dublin uh i definitely did not understand 50 percent of what he was saying but still 50 percent better than uh better than germany so um yeah anyway wear whatever you want uh maybe learn some languages and related to this podcast, I also went on like a mini tour of the great recording studios of Europe, uh, which oh, will show up on my playlist. Yeah. I mean, I knew, I was like, what should I see in Berlin? I thought, as I sat in the airport waiting to board a plane to Berlin. Uh, and I was like, oh, Hans' Studios is there. It's where uh, David Bowie recorded a bunch of albums. Mm. You two recorded Octane Baby, Pivotal in their career, Turning Point. And then I was like, Google, and then you do the deep dive on Hanson Studios, right? And you're like, oh, REM recorded their last album? Uh, wow, Hanson, that's amazing. I didn't know that. Uh, right? So then I listened to that on the plane. I was like, oh, yeah, this is really good. I actually really like this. This is, I had uh, uh, collapsed an album in my head the first time we were walking around because I listened to it on an eight-hour plane ride. Yeah. Um, and turned out that studio was like walking distance from our hotel. I thought it was like, I mean, who knows if I'll have time to go find this like obscure studio. That No, no, it's right there. Um, and there's a big David Bowie poster in the window. So of course, took my picture, uh, did that, um, and tried to visit the U2 studio in Ireland, which is no longer there. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Dublin. Did you visit? Jen? I did. I did try to go. <laughs> uh, I knew it, I knew it was gone, but I was like, well, I'm gonna walk over there and just make a pilgrimage anyway. And yeah, they paved paradise and put up a parking lot. It's uh, uh, Dublin's gentrified quite a bit. Hmm. Uh, at least in downtown areas the gentry have moved in huh uh, yeah but uh has the studios wow so cool that's uh my takeaway that's super cool man visited a few churches i yeah. guess i should say churches as well but uh i don't know it wasn't as much of a i feel like i went to a lot of churches in mexico and just it wasn't the focus like people would say like are you doing the luther stuff in germany i was like no not this time like uh, I definitely now I feel like that'd be cool to do sometime in the future, but that was not the focus of this trip. So I did other stuff, other stuff, Zach. Doesn't all have to be at my church. It, uh, that's what I've been telling people. <laughs> uh, you know, there's there's you know there's a place for for the old churches and stuff, but um, after a while, one really old church doesn't make you feel any more tingly than the last really old church you saw the day before or early that day. I will say, however, and I'm not going to, this is going to be a teaser for a future storytelling uh, on a podcast. But uh, when I went to, I was seeking uh, the footsteps of my ancestors uh, on this trip. And I, I discovered this was a church visit. I went to a church in Haddington, Scotland uh, and discovered a monument to William Cadell, my ninth great grandfather, uh, and dear listener, what a story this was. I'm just going to tease it out there for you. Uh, it was uh, it was something else, and it all happened in a church. So future episode, I'm going to wind up for it. I keep telling people, that they're like, why haven't you put it on Facebook? And I'm like, no, no, this one's too valuable. I'm keeping this to myself, <laughs> and I will tell it to you 
uh, over a glass of scotch. That's that's what I need in order Ooh. to wind up and tell this story. Uh, so Matt, so might be, Matt went to Europe and discovered limits to social media engagement. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I know. Wow. Wow. Berlin's so, so cool, man. Isn't it? It's the coolest. Oh, why is it so cool? It's all the things. And it's not. It's like undiscovered, too. You know, like it's not. The kids these days like to put things into tiers, you know, like it's not in the tier with like Rome, London, Paris, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's like they kind of uh, can, there are big parts of it where, where you go as a tourist in those cities that it kind of crosses the, the bridge, which is my critique of New York. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're going with Zach's. <laughs> Welcome uh, to New Urbanism New with Zach. Um I've got a hot take in that I don't like New York because it's not a real city. Um, and that's, that's based solely on my going there one time and only going to Manhattan um, because I think Manhattan is not a real place, right? Like it's not real. Like, Sure. People live there. Right. But like, it was bizarre when I'd gone there and I visited New York as an adult, right. After having lived in Chicago and stuff, right. Like, and you walk around and you're like, oh, this is what a city's supposed to look like on TV, but this isn't real. Like, this mm -hmm. isn't a place for people to live, you know? Uh, and you get that, right? Like, in places in Paris and London, and I assume Rome, right? Like, can only imagine that's what that's like. Um, whereas I think in Berlin, because it's kind of out of the way, like, it's not, you got to go there, right? And you've got the history of, of it being, it's in the East, right? We, yeah, in the United States, we don't always remember that Berlin is not in West Germany. Uh, it is in the middle of East Germany. It is much closer to Poland than it is to France. Um, and so uh, that combined with half the city used to be in East Germany. Yeah. Uh, and you you likely notice that, right? Like you can tell walking around a neighborhood, whether this neighborhood was an East German neighborhood or a West German neighborhood mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the amount of like economic development in the neighborhood, right? Um and all the different things that go with that, right? So very quickly, you get immersed into that. This is a real place with real, um, you know, every village in Europe has millennia old history. Like, oh gosh, right. I just became super like, your your spouse would just murder me for my uh, uh, <laughs> Eurocentrism there, right? But like... Um, there's a lot of history in a lot of places, uh, readily apparent perhaps in Europe in lots of places. Uh, but you get immersed like really quickly into the dynamics of it all and not in a sort of like, Oh, look, there's a man in a funny hat. This is great. Let me take a picture, mm -hmm. uh, kind of way. Or even, you know, to go to, to France and be like, Oh, they did the guillotine. That was crazy. Um, right. Like look, there's bones under the city. Cause people used to die here. Uh, you, you're really quickly immersed in like one, I think, um, Turk, like um, uh, immigration, you know, like um, mm -hmm. immigration to Europe from um, <laughs> especially Turkey, right? Like there are a ton of Turkish immigrants in, in Germany and Germany's immigration, like um, what are the words I'm looking for? Immigration policies and stuff, right? Like that's like all of a sudden you're in a quickly fall into like find yourself in neighborhoods where like most people speak Turkish and not German. Mm -hmm. um, plus all of the geopolitical east west sorts of things that are right there and when you're going around doing that you're experiencing the it's just really immersive in that way 
and accessible, right? Like, so, you know, Dublin has been gentrified. Berlin will be gentrified, I suppose, at some point, right? But for now, it's a place that people who do interesting things could afford to live. So Yeah, it was definitely the cheapest place that we visited. It gave us uh, very unrealistic expectations for the rest of... <laughs> for the rest of the trip um but yeah um just i mean we can i've been trying to unpack history with my spouse uh since since the beginning of the summer because i love it oh so much um (laughs) but just the fact i mean you'll be walking around and like you'll cross over like a line of bricks uh in the street and it was where the berlin wall was and you just like walked right over it and it was that just wasn't that long ago. Like that's, that's the thing that's so wild about it. Um, like you can go to the tower of London and it's like, yeah, they've turned guillotines into tourist attractions, but, oh. but in Berlin, this is still so real that it's like, I know it's, it's, Nazi. <laughs> it's, really, it's, it's wild. Um, so yeah, there's just, there, there is a certain, and it's hard to put, put our finger on it, but there, there is a certain energy to it that is just, uh, super unique. And, uh, yeah, we, we love it. For, for your spouse, Matt, uh, from a definitively not professional uh, academic who understands these issues, right, is I wonder, I suspect that there is a big part of like, quote unquote, American identity that we don't, that is a hidden German identity, right? Like <laughs> that white America, white gosh don't get can't get fired anymore we're going i'm I'm alone for the ride that there is an element of white america that is pre sort of like the anti like catholic uh um, bias xenophobia that is a big mixture of english and german Mm -hmm. but because of world war one the germanness of that identity gets wiped away really quickly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and gets forced into assimilation, assimilate assimilation. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as if you talk to Germans, right. Germans are really hesitant around like patriotism and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Because of that. Right. Like, and there's for different reasons that got enforced here as well. So there's mm-hmm. a part of American cultural identity that, that is connected there that we don't see that would, mm-hmm. if, if we, if it was more readily on the surface to help us better understand ourselves. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, no, that's really interesting. I mean, that is, that is certainly a part of my family story uh, that I've been unpacking um, a bit. Uh, and then very different from like uh, my spouse's story where like her grandparents immigrated in the 19, um, I mean, like her mom's generation basically immigrated mm-hmm. from Germany. And so she's much closer to it and has a very different um, relationship, I think, with her German uh, identity. So, yeah, lots to unpack. But uh, takeaway, Berlin, super cool. There's also like this role in Western culture, too, where where Germany has played like an experimental role. Like a, it's an experiment, like a place to experiment. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like you just go to the Beatles, right? Like the Beatles go to Germany to figure it out. They go to Hamburg. Hamburg. They go to Hamburg in the north. Just a strange place, like yeah. Nobody, nobody yeah, we went there it, too, right? Awesome. Like that's yeah. not that's not your Oktoberfest. That's pickled fish and stuff, right? Like yeah. 
Um, it's a port city. It's inland, but it's a port city. Like inland what? Port city. Yeah. It's it's wild. It's so cool. Um, so there you have it. There you have it. Uh, all our hot takes uh, on Europe. Oh, last hot take on Europe. Uh, since we did do Eurovision earlier mm. this year, uh, and friend of the pod Caleb asked, "Is Eurovision white nonsense?" Yeah, <laughs> which uh, well, the answer questions of the year. You know, might be like, yeah, sure, like maybe. Um, but I also like my experience of Europe is like Europe isn't necessarily white. Like that's that, yeah. that is actually not quite. Um, like it's a more complex place than that. Um, so that, that is, that is my learned response after having gone to Europe after that question was asked, <laughs> it may be white nonsense. I don't know, but Europe and white are not the same thing. I think is what yeah, I, would, I think the yeah. assumption, not that Caleb made this assumption, right? No, no, um, I'm just, yeah. But he lifted it up right in a helpful way. The assumption that Europe is white, I think just reveals our like white Americanism, like, like how yeah. American, like the white, the invention of white whiteness is. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's not to take away uh, all the colonialism uh, of Europe, which is we went to the British Museum and oh my goodness, there's another <laughs> uh, thing to unpack. Why um, do you need to watch Indiana Jones when you lived it, man? Incredible stuff. Um, but just to say Europe in 2023 uh, is not the same thing as white. Just, those just, they're just not synonyms. So um, yeah. Should we talk about the texts? I guess I'd rather talk about all these other <laughs> things, but we can do it, Matt. I got to start getting ready. I have, a, I have a professional preaching job coming up. Wow, you do. Which reminds me, Matt, this episode of The Vinyl Preacher is brought to you by Homecoming at Cedar Grove Lutheran Church in Vail, North Carolina. Uh, that's right. They've got a guest <laughs> preacher coming into town. Uh, it's someone who recently used their cabin at the Luther Ridge, the Lutheran camp community up in mm-hmm. North Carolina. And I think you might enjoy that guest preacher. So be sure to check it out on September 10th in that Cedar Grove Lutheran church in Vail, North Carolina. Let's work our hands Sunday. All right. Is it? I, be- oh. I bet you knew that's what it was. Yeah. That was not me <laughs> literally asking, is it? Second Sunday of September. When you said Notable Vail, I noticed there was a pause. Sunday. Like Vail, North Carolina. <laughs> North Carolina and Colorado share a lot of uh, town names. So. Denver, Denver, Vail. Those are the only two. I don't know. <laughs> um, hot, hot Springs. Oh, wow. Well, uh, are you preaching on August twentieth? Absolutely not. Me neither. So hey, let's uh, give the preachers some listeners. advice. Let's tell these people what they should say that we don't have to say. Isaiah 56, 1, 6 to 8. Thus says the Lord. Now, this is, this is an interesting time. This is going to set up the gospel. It sounds really nice, but then you realize how important it is uh, to place alongside this uh, gospel text. So listen closely. Thus says the Lord, maintain justice and do it as right. For soon my salvation will come and my deliverance be revealed. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord and minister to him to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it and hold fast my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Thus says the Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel. I will gather others to them besides those 
already gathered. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Matt, that last verse does sound like some church speak. Uh, at the end, someone noted there's a hole in our mission statement. We'll also gather others besides those already gathered. Yeah, again, I think it's going to be uh, relevant when we get to the gospel. Not that uh, Isaiah doesn't have its own integrity, but I think this particular Sunday, it just becomes particularly uh, important um, as a as a counterweight or maybe a lens uh, to mm. understand what's happening in Matthew. Yeah. But uh, yeah, any uh, you always like to give us some historical background for Isaiah. Any anything got anything for Isaiah fifty six? I suspect Isaiah fifty six is probably going to be Isaiah three. This is my conjecture, kind of like a commencement speech. You've gone into exile, you did exile, you've come back from exile, and now this book is getting way too long, so we need to wrap it up. So here's what you should do so you don't do exile again. And they did. They letter of the law. Did, there has been no violations of the commencement speech and no exile or uh, bad things have happened since. Totally. Story of the Bible. They got it right. All gets fixed. They got it right. (laughs) Well, let's look at Matthew. Matthew 15. Jesus left that place. That being a place. uh, Oh, you want the whole thing, Matt? Matt highlighted the parenthetical. So we're going to do the parenthetical. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. So don't just listen. I need you to take the, really soak this in. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles. Then the disciples approached and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? And he answered, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if one blind person guides another, both fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain this parable to us. And then he said, are you still without understanding? Peter, I don't, like I, oftentimes Jesus gives you a lot and you need to understand it. But blind guiding the blind is not a parable. I think that requires a lot of explanation. But are you still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth, okay, this is a different parable, enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? It's referring to human waste uh, and wastewater treatment. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this is what defiles. For out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, fornication. He said it twice. Slander. These are what defile a person. He didn't say fornication twice. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. Jesus left that place. Still, wash your hands. Still, you should probably (laughs) wash your hands. Uh, Later on, we figured out defiling happens in a different way when you don't wash your hands. (laughs) COVID numbers are up, and uh, as much as I, uh, I've i missed our weekly happy hours, Matt, on Zoom, uh, rather not be forced back into them. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. And he answered, I was sent not only. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. I'm going to restate that, Matt, because that's an important sentence. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. 
She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered her, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. Uh, the good news of Jesus. Instantly. Instantly. Great, great last word. The gospel of Mark, she got healed. She didn't get a Matthew healing. She got a Mark healing in a Matthew. Pretty gosh. good. Jesus uh, coming off pretty good. Looking like a pretty nice guy in this, uh, this gospel text. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. He's not getting canceled this week. Definitely. Definitely one of the easy ones. Um, so, uh, yeah. So Jesus spends the whole, this is why I want to include the parenthetical. Because uh, he has this whole bit. It's what comes out of the mouth that defiles. Uh, no, no, out of the heart comes slander. Uh, and then Jesus proceeds to... Uh, Let me show you how this works. Show you how that works. Physician, heal thyself. Jesus, oh my gosh. It's show, like he's describing what tell. he's about to do. Oh my goodness. Maybe he's just so fed up with Peter getting things wrong that he's like, you got to show, you can't tell this guy. You got to, he's got to see it. Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty brutal. It's pretty brutal. Um, but I think, well, yeah. I've got more thoughts. But what do you what do you think? Yeah, no, it's brutal, Matt. I agree. Um, keep it going here. I want to I want to see where where all this highlighting is going to lead us. Yeah, I mean, I think you know this is this is usually the way that we'll talk about this. Um, but of course, like historically, okay, she's outside that circle of the uh, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She's a Canaanite. Uh, they're sworn enemies, so. I mean, you, you get it in a uh, historical context and yet still that's just, you just read it and you go, no, no, like something is clearly, something's clearly off. Something's clearly wrong. And I think even, um, so I think what's helpful is to see Isaiah here, um, right? Where it says, my house should be called a house of prayer for all peoples. I will gather others to them besides those already gathered. God's already setting it up um, well before this. Um, and then I think, um, so then, so then that's the move. Like that's what, that's what happens Jesus is going to l- listen to somebody outside uh, of his usual circle. And the way that I would pull in this other part that I highlighted in the, um, in the, the optional part of the reading uh, is they are blind guides of the blind. And if one blind person guides another, both will fall into a pit. Um, also again, uh, for our um, folks that might be conscious of uh, disability realities, probably not a great not a great yeah, line there. Terrible blind people from Jesus, um, but the way that I would even take that, I think, is to say like, um, it's like if two people who are of the same circle are trying to guide one another, their their vision is limited. They can only see so much. They can only perceive so much. Their experience is only so much. Um, and so to expand that circle, to talk with somebody who is different from you, who has a different background from you, a different story than you expands that circle and you end up seeing you end up um perceiving more uh and are able to travel more you're not going to fall into the pit right because you have two different perspectives and not just the same perspective that you always have um and so i think that also is like that's also part of what's happening here um and once again i think you know this is just this is one of those texts that is (laughs) we read it every three years and it's still unexpected to encounter Jesus this way as somebody that actually learns that actually like encounters someone and has to, has to take a turn, has to repent, 
has to actually turn around and change his behavior and perspective. Um, that's that's still pretty extraordinary. Um, and yet here it is, right here in Matthew. In these days, dear reader, uh, where biblical literacy isn't super high, and you one of your, your jobs as a preacher, I think, these days, um, more so in the past, is to, you know, you're the giver, you're the receiver of memory here. You've... Um, you got to teach the stories a lot more and people aren't going to church every week. Um, I think a part of your job that, that might be kind of new here is Jesus isn't acting right. Like this is completely out of character for what Jesus has been doing uh, in the gospels at large and the gospel of Matthew in particular, right? Like and that's a part of what Isaiah does as well. Like sets up like this isn't, that's not what that's not what we're talking about, right? Jesus is like this is like watching the familiar sitcom, and one of the characters like you can tell instantly that there's something narrative going on with this character who's not assuming the role that they normally would, right? So people aren't going to hear that because they don't they don't know the story as well. So you need to emphasize that I think to say these are all alarm bells that we should be looking at this differently because Jesus is not acting right. Um, I think there's the angle, certainly, um, that Jesus learns here. Jesus changes. Jesus goes through the process of of uh, metanoia, um, and I think I think I said it facetiously because Peter does come across as dumb again because he always comes across as dumb. But um, perhaps it's a teaching thing too, a pedagogical thing, right? Like that there's a pedagogical element to it, um, and I don't think that has to necessarily say it's not a a Jesus learns thing, right? But it is much more helpful to to show rather than to tell, as the script renders mm-hmm. will tell us. Um, you know, I'm glad I'm not in charge of instruction to college level anymore, right? But I am fairly certain, based on having sat in lectures, that it's probably not the optimal way for most people to learn. Uh, it looks fun. I'd probably like to do it. I get to talk for an hour and everybody has to listen to me. That sounds great. Um, Sermon on the Mount, Great. You probably lost some people at some different places. Um, but there's a reason the old uh, object lessons are favored with children's sermons, right? They've got a little bit better uh, batting average than you do when you're just lecturing to them. Um, so uh, a little more accessible, powerful, like that. I don't want to sound like I'm like sidelining this, like it, it's just him teaching here, right? That's not what I'm trying to say here, but that it's more helpful and impactful and matters a lot more, perhaps. Um, I'm going to run down the road of actions more powerful than words here. You do get to see it, right? And that is much more helpful, I think, to the disciples um, than hearing Jesus say how we should do things, because that's probably in terms of like effective preaching, not nearly as helpful as uh, this is what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. I love that angle. It's And it's another... It's another example of how do you read any of these lines? What's the tone and what's the what's actually going on underneath it? And how you can you can take this script and you can uh, you can live into it in a whole bunch of different ways. Um, so I like that angle, and I think regardless, I mean, even to t- to talk about it as a pedagogical as a as a teaching moment for Jesus um, implies that the people continuously need to be taught. And like we talked about before, like even the teaching is not a once for all thing. Like he teaches them and then they're done. They get it. Everything's over, but that this is a constant process for us. And that maybe there is grace in that too, that we are also a people who constantly 
are, are learning and we're constantly going to make mistakes and uh, and make the change we need to make and keep going. And we'll probably make another mistake. And you know what? That is part of the, that is part of what this looks like. And, um, you know, I'm sure we want to delve into the, uh, how do I put this? Um, the, because it's not really cancel culture, but the, uh, the caricature of cancel culture <laughs> is thrown out there. Um, but the idea that like, okay, you mess up and you're done uh, is not quite, is not quite the story of scripture. The story of scripture is like right. you mess up and there is a, there's a learning and there is sometimes that is a painful thing and a dramatic thing. And sometimes it's a small thing, um, but it's constant change and learning and um, movement rather than stick your feet in the dirt and not move. Um, which is a whole other scripture that we'll unpack on a different day. But for today, the movement is, uh, is movement. So, yeah, it's uh, and I, yeah. I wonder if it's, it's, it's also the, the lesson's not just for us, like around or for us, right. That, that the best way I think I found to learn anything is to teach other people, right. Mm. The teacher participates in the learning. Mm. Um, and I think having that as a, as an important element of who Jesus is, is important, but also an invitation into the learners, to live into that teaching, but as a way of learning. Amen. Well, I think that text will preach. Easy preachers. I don't know what you're complaining about. All up in our DMs. I mean, it's, uh, it's one of those that I, I think we used to go, what do we do with this? Uh, when we were newbie <laughs> preachers and now we go, no, no. Yeah. Like clearly offensive. And yet sometimes those are the places where you can most uh, unpack something and, uh, and let some good news flow out of it. Maybe also a helpful reminder, one of our recurring reminders is in your sermon, your eight to 12 minutes, you don't have to solve everything. Like you, you don't. You don't have to. Yeah, you don't got to fix everything. Don't. You can't uh, fix the text in eight to 12 minutes. But you do have to listen to everything. Uh, and I just yeah. say, Zach, on my uh, sabbatical, I did make a, the playlist is currently at seven hours and 29 minutes. Uh, and counting, I keep adding to it. Uh, it's a long sabbatical playlist. It's so good. Uh, so what are we listening to this week? Well, Matt, I've had an important change in my life and I've waited to, to go public with it until we're all here on the podcast, Matt. For years, I've resisted the urge and the call. People have told me told me things that they've wanted me to change my life, Matt, and I haven't been ready to hear it. And, and this summer, I've been ready to hear it. I've accepted it fully and I've made a significant change in my life, Matt. Um, I am now fully on board the Sturgill Simpson train. Good. good, good. I don't know if our listeners are aware of him. He's a relatively new artist. He's been out for over 10 years now. And for over 10 years, friends, family have asked me if I'm like Sturgill Simpson, I should really check out this new album or that new album. Which just made you want to do it less. Which made me want to do it less. <laughs> it did. It did. I was like, yeah, not for me. Um, I need to see what this guy's got. I need a good six to seven albums before I can really decide if this is the guy that I'm okay listening to. Um, and Sturgill was on Righteous Gemstones. The song they sing on Righteous Gemstones, I'm going to go ahead and put it on here because uh, I think it, it fits. It works here. Uh, all the gold in California is the cover of somebody. I forgot to write it down. Uh, but all the gold in California is in a bank in the middle of Beverly Hills and somebody else's name. Uh, it's incredible. It's really good. Uh, they got me in and um, started started dabbling. And then I made my first trip to the record store that you can see from the front door of my house. Uh, 
uh, Harvest Records in Asheville, North Carolina. And uh, my first purchase was a Sturgill Simpson album, Matt. Well done. Um, yeah. Well done. I, uh, it's really good. It's really good, really fun. You should check out this new single that just came out that he's on with Diplo called Use Me. And there's a million different dance remixes and stuff. But it's really good and like different and stuff, right? Fantastic. Uh, I, did, you, put, did you walk to the record store? Absolutely. Where would I park? In my own parking lot? That's just so cool. <laughs> it's one block from my house. I can see it out the front door. Um, yeah, it is really cool. That's, a, that's the punch on here. It's really cool. I live next to a record store now, uh, but I've only bought one record. Uh, the Vinyl Spouse bought a Lucy Dacus record. So two records in total. I did get a... What did I get? Did I get a sticker or something? I've got a sticker somewhere. But I'm going to put a track off of debut album that really got people going uh, called uh, You Can Have the Crown. And uh, the chorus goes a little, uh, well, now, Lord, if you can hear me, won't you throw a, dog, a damn dog a bone? Because if the devil shows up with a better deal, this old soul's a going down. Oh, I sing them real pretty. I sing them real sad. And all the people in the crowd say, he ain't half bad. Well, they can call me King Turd up here on Ship Mountain. And if you want it, you can have the crown. Um, uh, and so I, I got vibes from this story, you know, trying to freshen up a, a story I've looked at a lot, right? Uh, vibes of of this as an exaltation of not just like uh, the chosen people, but Jesus as, as leader king of the new David of the chosen people. And Jesus flipping it a bit more with uh, a little bit of, uh, you know, I'm the king turd of shit mountain uh, is actually what I'm called to be. Uh, so check it out. It's fun. It's a good song. As I said, all the golden California, uh, also a new album just came out. I believe it's called Sol is it solitude? No name has a new album out this month. It's, it's really good. I listened to it today, like twice while I was working. It was, it's really good. And there's a, a track on it, Matt, that you should carefully listen to called namesake. Um, it's really good, you know? So so I'm throwing it on here for your namesake vibes with, you know, you got the right name, you got the wrong name. Are you of uh, of the chosen people or not? Um, insider, outsider, you should check it out. Also, she takes shots, you ready for this, at Jay-Z. She takes shots at Beyonce, takes shots at Kendrick um, for playing the Super Bowl because she's talking about the Super Bowl is a glorification of mil uh, militarization. Um, and so, so that goes on, which is you're like, whoa. But then she's like, Coachella uh, sold out like commercials. At this Coachella stage got commercialized, but I guess I got sucked in uh, and like talks about herself. She participates in the learning. Wow. wow. It's good. It's good. Check it out. No name. Uh, namesake, which is interesting enough. And Matt, I got tickets. I'm working my way out to get shows going to Rabbit Rabbit here in September for Maggie Rogers show. It's coming to town. It should be a good time. And she's got a song called Dog Ears because uh, I got dogs going on. Uh, and uh, it's a really nice track, too. So Dog Ears from Maggie Rogers. Capping off your playlist from me. Nice. Well done. I, can have to check. I haven't heard any of those. I'm going to have to check them out. That's why people come to the podcast to get the new music. On the spot of my playlist, which you can find in the episode description. Well, this is... Uh, Especially now that we're not on hiatus. <laughs> this is uh, not a new song, but um, 
again, as I was uh, flying to Berlin, discovering that R.E.M.'s last album was recorded and has the studios in Berlin. Uh, the opening track off of Collapse Into Now is called Discoverer. Uh, and it's a great song for landing in a new city, getting ready to explore that mm. city. Um, but also has a good line for this gospel text uh, where he says, I was wrong. I was laughable wrong, um, which uh, grammatically doesn't make sense, but works perfectly uh, in the way that Michael Stipe can sing anything and make it sound good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Discover by R.E.M. It is it's really good. Really good stuff. Um, also, that's another, um, that's an album where, uh, you know, when it came out, we didn't know that they were, uh, they were, they were done. The end, yeah. But then you go back and listen to it and you go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this, like all these songs are about, we're, we're done. This is the end. So pretty hmm. fun to go back and re-listen to it. Um, John Mellencamp, grouchy old John Mellencamp. Uh, another new grouchy album. It's, uh, it's, good. it's got his blues sound. It sounds just like Indiana, Southern Indiana. Very distinct from Northern Indiana. Uh, the opening, the single uh, is called Hey God. Uh, and again, it's uh, kind of, gosh, I don't know how to describe it other than that it fits this this text. Uh, asking God uh, why things are the way they are, but as only John Mellencamp can in a very bluesy uh, way. So Hey God by John Mellencamp. Check it out. It's from Orpheus Descending, uh, his new album that came out this summer. And then finally, like I said, when I see the Barbie movie, it was so good. Soundtrack also. It's popping. It's so good. Uh, and there is a song on there from Haim, our old friend Haim, who we saw at Coachella and fell in love with immediately. Uh, their song in the Barbie soundtrack is called Home. Um, and maybe in these texts, God is expanding our idea of, or maybe not God, but uh, God through this Canaanite woman, uh, expanding our idea of what home could look like. It looked like they had so much fun on the Eras tour. They spent part <laughs> of it. Their openers were part of it. Hey, it looks like they had a lot of fun on Instagram. Don't know why they didn't invite me, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I had things going on. I had to play a festival myself. Well, it's been real. Real final. Ooh, not sure I told you. <laughs>